genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, one spooky fire swamp at a time. I'm Cassandra <laughs> Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us today, we have returning guest Raiden from the Anglophies podcast. Hello. Hello. We're not talking about Black Panther today? Uh, I... <laughs> I'm just being dumb. Of course we could talk about Black Panther. Uh... It was good. It was very good. I mean, like Andy Serkis is in this minute, so... That's true. Yeah, exactly. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's Connections. true exactly uh, listeners we're recording this the you know weekend after black panther opened so right that's the whole world right now <laughs> <laughs> so today unfortunately we won't be talking about black panther we're talking about minute 46 of the two towers which starts with uh the the three of them the two hobbits and Gollum, uh making their way across the dead marshes and ends with sam looking very concerned yep which is like extremely concerned sam this whole movie yes <laughs> just worried scared he just has like shifty eyes like oh god oh, what god, did i get myself what? into <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like this is also like a movie of trios the more i think about it yeah this it really is, uh, is. Because we have our we have our Legolas Aragorn Gimli trio, and we have Sam and Frodo and Gollum and Merry and Pippin and Treebeard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just a movie of trios. There's a trio of trios <laughs> guiding our plot along. That is so, that is that is an astute observation, there, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a couple notes about this. Um, Gollum says, "Don't follow the lights," and he talks about you know like. Don't go off the path or you'll the little hobbits will go down to join the corpses and light little candles of their own. Um, it's very spooky. It is very mm. spooky. It reminds me of those um, like fae or like will-o'-the-wisp uh, sort of folklore legends with like the, the bogs and the swamps and stuff. Trying to lead you to your like, doom. Yeah, to your doom. Yeah. To join the fae forever. It it's also, and I'll get more into the World War One-ness of it all, mm-hmm. but it's like if you visit any of the old World War One battlefields like Verdun, mm-hmm. you don't go off the path because there's still bombs and shit there. <laughs> right. Also, they're definitely haunted as hell, so like, don't go off the path. Yeah, no, I would... I would absolutely, like, I'm afraid to visit, like, Gettysburg and stuff, even though I'm super into, like, Civil War um, history, because mm-hmm. shit's haunted. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, some, there's some bad mojo going on. Like, straight on. up, I don't want anything <laughs> following me home. Um, <laughs> All that death, it leaves a mark. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I thought it was very funny that it's very misty um, where our characters are, but there's that shot about... 23 24 seconds into the minute um and it's looking at frodo from below Mm. and you get a shot of like the clear sky with like a tiny little cloud and so is it just like a like a gross washout filter i must be to give it the effect of like some machines some foggy downs yeah yeah Mm -hmm. 
And I really like the ambient screaming background noise. Right. <laughs> Throughout this ups- whole sequence. It's just upsetting. Yeah. Uh, and the the way that like Gollum is breathing and like half growling mm-hmm. while he's while he's saying his lines in this minute is like off putting. Also, Sam does his best impression of Legolas. What, just looking concerned all the time? Just speaking the obvious. Like, there's there's dead things in the... Oh, oh, I see. bodies in the water. Very good, Sam. Congratulations. Just a good gold star. There's dead things. Yes. Yes, yes, there are. As if we weren't immediately aware that there is something terrible here. Yes. So, we all know at this point, especially if you've been listening to this podcast... That um, that Tolkien did fight in World War One, and it was deeply affecting. Yes, because it was deeply affecting for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And this sequence specifically, I wanted to talk about because the the dead marshes are really kind of his working through his experiences, literally on the battlefield. And mm-hmm. having, I have not been to any World War One battlefields, but I did in the fairly recent past, go to London and visit the Imperial War Museum, where they have a whole big exhibit on World War One and, like, why it happened. Right. And, the, and that ridiculousness. But the way that, that Jackson and the production team made the Dead Marshes look, it's like, yeah, that's 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 what some of those battlefields looked like. It's big, flat death and fire and holes filled with water because the bombs would explode. Right. And then it would rain. And if you slipped off the path into one of the shell holes filled with water, that was it. You could not get out. Mm-hmm. And people couldn't come help you because they would just drown too. So people would just be walking past these holes with people screaming for help. Mm-hmm. And That is horrifying. Yeah. It is horrifying. If you, if you want to be horrified for a good 18 hours more... I highly recommend Dan Carlin's um, Hardcore History podcast. He mm. did six three to four hour long episodes on World War One. I. I mean, he, he deep dives like he will find all of the context and throw it at you and have direct quotes from the people who were involved in, and lived long enough to write about it. Wow. Yeah, it's fascinating, and like most Americans, our exposure for World War One in school was, well, there was imperialism, and there was militarism, and there were some other isms, and then mm-hmm. this Archduke di- guy got assassinated, and then we were in the trenches for a while, and uh, then we, it's all Germany's fault. Yep. <laughs> that's, so that's yeah, that's long it. and short of it. <laughs> yep. And that's pretty much the the gist that I got in my history classes so having having Dan explain this to me for 18 excruciating hours and he's he's a very good storyteller so it's it's not like it's a boring 18 hours it's just it's a difficult 18 hours yeah i uh, i imagine it's it's quite quite a thing to sit through <laughs> yeah yeah but he it's a great podcast if you're into really context-heavy history. Yeah, I have. I've heard. I've listened to a couple of the earlier hardcore history stuff, but mm-hmm. it's because he does do such a good job. I feel like I can't tune out and do something else while I'm listening to it, or I'm gonna like miss something important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm. 
I would I would like to check that out, but I don't know if I want to subject myself to 18 hours of like this is a terrible thing that terrible people did to each other and a lot of people died. Uh, <laughs> right, and it began from a situation that when you that try was to stupid, right, that when you yeah. try to explain it in any sort of rational way, it just sounds comical. Yes, yes, and and the fact that like the assassination of Franz Ferdinand was botched and then somehow managed to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah, like history, history is a weird motherfucker sometimes. <laughs> it really yeah, is a lot of the time. <laughs> most most uh, of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, but if. If you're ever in London, I do suggest you check out the Imperial War Museum. Hmm. It's very cool. Learn all about the Great War. Yeah. The Great War. And then, you know, the other ones, too. <laughs> the not-so-Great Wars. The not-so-Great Wars. The, the ones that just sort of drag on for ever. But they also have a Spitfire, so that's cool. That is really cool. That's rad. Yeah. And one of the boats from Dunkirk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's Sick. go to London. Right? I've always <laughs> wanted to go to London anyway. Yeah. yeah, me too. Well, you you should go to London. I mean, it I mean, you should just go to London. You should go to, it's it's amazing. Um <laughs> <laughs> The the first time I went when my grounding in World War 1 history was even worse than it is now. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at all of these memorials that they have to people who died in the great war and i was like oh right this is actually a thing for them Mm -hmm. they this country went through it for four years we were involved for nine months right yeah we showed up in 1917 and we're just like all right we're here to help finally we're here here to do the thing we did the thing yay (laughs) i mean world war good job everybody world war ii is the same way it's like everyone else was fighting this war for quite a while and then america was just like oh well Something bad happened to us. We're finally, we're finally here. Well, now we have to. And then we, <laughs> you know, four years. Four years. Eventually, we made it onto the continent. <laughs> so, Lord of the Rings, right? right? So, not a, not a lot happens in this minute. What are what are these dead these dead things made out of? Uh, plasticine mostly. Okay. They're just sculptures. Like yeah, they're just sculptures. Richard Taylor talks a lot about them. Making the they do a casting of some of the real people, some real extras, and then they you know do the whole fill it, make it look right thing, and then uh, just uh, I think the name is Jesse Beswark mm-hmm. sculpted it down to like the right size, but maintained all the contours. Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they they dressed it in the armor and everything. And actually, in this in this minute, when you kind of float over the bodies that Sam first sees. You can see uh, a man, and you can recognize the silver tree of Gondor on his breastplate. And he is right next to, I think it's two elves, and one of them is wearing the helmet from the prologue. Because these are are dead bodies from the battle we see in the prologue of Fellowship of the Ring. Right. And even older than that, right? Or... I mean, that's the... I'm not... Maybe. But the battle that... The battle that the prologue shows yeah is a battle that took place over weeks okay and we just see the end of it right on this like near the slopes of mount doom right because mm. that battle started well outside the borders of mordor and they slowly closed in but they considered it like it's titled all like one battle okay because the elves call things like you know months of because warfare they have no concept of time right months so. of warfare is is a single battle right uh, well that happened in world war one too so and world war two <laughs> see what i right. did there 
right? It's like which uh, which day of the which which day of all the the fighting in Verdun is this? Right, right, exactly. You know when trench warfare goes on for months and months and months, and it's fighting over advancing like half a three hundred like three hundred feet, four hundred feet, half a mile, and then getting pushed back, and it's just back and forth across half a dozen trenches you've dug over the past year and a half, but yeah. just fighting back and forth over nothing. <sighs> no one gets anything out of fighting in these places. Right. Yep. It's all posturing. Yeah, it's all just trying to hold a line because you can't just let the enemy walk through, but you're really fighting over useless territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a matter of not being able to let the enemy advance past you, but nothing is accomplished. World War One sits in like this awful period between technological advancement right. and still fighting with like swords cavalry and, and yeah. swords <laughs> and like that's why trench warfare was hell. Technology hadn't advanced to a point had advanced to a point where men couldn't charge at each other without charge at each other without dying in droves, but also couldn't advance in any meaningful way against right. each other. Yeah. Yeah. And gas warfare. Yeah. And gas warfare. Yeah. People, man, we're the worst. I know. <sighs> man, World War One was literal hell on earth. It's a bummer of a week, my dudes. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Not to say anything about our guest, but like, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I picked a bummer of a week. It's true. <laughs> the uh, the lighting of these dead marsh scenes does the golem effect no favors in retrospect. Oh, I like it. I think it's better than the blue lighting when we see when we first see him. Really? I I mean, yeah. I I don't. I think that lighting like this because of his skin tone kind of makes him stick out from the background more. Mm. Hmm. Although he looks better from behind when you can't see his mouth and his nose and his yeah. eyes moving. He the the effect looks better. Hmm. And this is a this is a parking lot. <gasps> I just filled it with water and dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a parking yeah. lot. Uh, although this is like this is a mix between a parking lot, a studio, and some on location stuff, and all intercut. Like the uh, Andy Circus and Elijah Wood and, and Sean Aston talk about the filming of this this stretch of scenes here being stretched out over ten months of filming, mm. mm-hmm. going back and forth between locations, and then some of it was done in pickups. So this is this is all across the whole sequence of filming the trilogy to put this scene together. This scene together. It doesn't look it. No, it doesn't. This is this is really well put edited. together. Yeah. Really well edited. Yeah. yeah, I'm continuously really impressed with especially the actors managing to hold motivation through scenes that were like, well, uh, we can't really do anything else today, so let's go climb on some rocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that the delivery of Sam's line sounds a little like stilted it, it's like not there are dead things. <laughs> it's it's not necessarily his best delivery in the in the trilogy it's i mean like orlando say what you will about orlando bloom but he he does well in the captain obvious role yeah and i i don't know if um sean astin does as well without like emotional nuancey stuff yeah because it's just like he almost sounds like he's reading a line mm-hmm. to me like it, it doesn't sound as natural as a lot of mm-hmm. other lines. Like, Andy Serkis's delivery is always, like, spot, spot on. on yeah. Perfect. Like, you got yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Whatever emotion yeah. you were going for, you nailed it. Good job, buddy. And, like, yep. Sean Astin in this moment is just, like, it's just there are dead things in the... It's not that bad. But, like, <laughs> he, it sounds like he's reading. 
Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if I have any other notes for yeah, this, this minute is, uh, in particular. Yeah, this is a this is a very light minute. There's it's kind of like setting the scene. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So we are from the website DuelingGenre.com. Check us out, out there if you have a moment and have five bucks to spare. Uh, check out our Patreon at DuelingGenre.com slash support where you can get a bunch of um, exclusive podcasts, including a new movie by minute podcast. I'm going to be co-hosting um, Scott Pilgrim versus the minute. So if you're into that, <laughs> check that out. Uh, where can people find you on the interwebs, Raiden? They can find the Angle of Fuse podcast at angleofuse.madeafail.net. That sounds right. They can find me on Twitter <laughs> at redheadedgirl. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it. I'm on Twitter, like, all the time. Okay, cool. <laughs> Special thanks <laughs> Special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Ed Foster. I hope everyone has a good Monday, despite all of our, like, Debbie Downer talk. And <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow with more World War I analogies. Bye. 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 <laughs>